Welcome to Give Me the TLDR. Chapter 4, Overhill and Underhill. The TLDR. The company starts trekking through the Misty Mountains and they get caught in a nasty storm. They head into a cave to look for some respite and get captured by goblins. They get away, they're making their way out of the tunnels, and the chapter ends when Bilbo is dropped and lost. The longer breakdown. When this chapter starts, the company is beginning its journey over the mountains. The Misty Mountains sound like a maze, kind of like one of those carnival mirror funhouses, but instead of being level and run by carnies who you probably shouldn't trust, it's severely uphill and there are occasionally boulders that roll down the mountain, arguably more dangerous. Quote, the nights were comfortless and chill, and they did not dare to sing or talk too loud, for the echoes were uncanny, and the silence seemed to dislike being broken, except by the noise of water and the wail of wind and the crack of stone, end quote. Not great. Bilbo's thinking to himself that somewhere below, people are living their best lives during summer, having picnics, just living it up. All the dwarves, really everyone but Gandalf, had expected this to be a quick little jaunt, they thought they'd blink and it would be conveniently Durin's day and they would be at the secret door ready to get in. Mind you, even if they were there and that were the case, they still don't know what they would do with the whole dragon situation, so I'm not sure what that solves. So the only one in the company that's expecting the unexpected is Gandalf. He obviously understands the planning fallacy. He's read the studies by Kahneman and Tversky. It should also be noted that the Battle of the Mines of Moria is mentioned here and there throughout the story. It was between the goblins and the dwarves. In this case, they say the goblins have been spreading since then. Not 100% important to the story, but worth mentioning. And that's why the goblins are overrunning these mountains. So then they are making their way. They get hit with a thunderstorm squared. It's wild. Rocks are flying left and right. Thorin, with the most obvious statement possible, is like, we got to get out of this thing. Gandalf's pretty cranky at this point. He's like, if you know anywhere better, please, please take us there. So they're all in agreement. They'll send Feely and Keeley to find shelter. I note this because at this point, they are not leaning on Bilbo to do anything. Finally, they have come to their senses. They find a dry cave suspiciously quickly. Gandalf's not convinced that they thoroughly explored it, knowing that dry caves are pretty rarely unoccupied in this part of the world. They all get to the cave. Gandalf lights up uh, the cave with the wand. It does seem legit. There's enough space for them and the ponies at least. They lay out their clothes and hotbox the cave a bit. Gandalf, per usual, is showing off with his smoke rings. They quickly start talking about what they're going to do with all the treasure. Honestly, they go back and forth like being horribly pessimistic and yo-yo to way too positive. There's no one to just keep a level head in this entire company. Eventually, they all go to sleep, but Bilbo doesn't sleep too well. I don't really know how any of them sleep well on a cave floor, but Bilbo definitely doesn't. During his light sleep, he dreams about a crack in the wall getting bigger, and then all of them falling down through an opening. Bilbo wakes up, and you'll never guess, there is a crack in the wall opening up. He sees the last of the pony's tails going through it. Then Bilbo just yells. I wish I could actually hear what it sounded like. He doesn't seem like a yeller, but he yells, and then, quote, out jumped the goblins, big goblins, ugly looking goblins, before you could say rocks and blocks, end quote. So a few things about this pony and goblin situation. 
First off, why would any self-respecting creature in stealth mode decide to capture the ponies first? Obviously, the dwarves are the threat. Why are you going to risk moving ponies first and then waking them up and losing the element of surprise? Ponies don't even have opposable thumbs. What are they going to do? Second, I just want to know how ugly the goblins really are, like canon goblins. If we assume that symmetry is beauty, they have some warped features maybe. Maybe they just look mean. But do their mothers find them ugly too? Or is it just us? I don't know. How big are they too? I don't know. Be nice to get some more info here. They get all the dwarves, but luckily Bilbo's whelp did give Gandalf a split second to prepare. When they get to him, quote, when the goblins came to grab him, there was a terrific flash like lightning in a cave, a smell like gunpowder, and several of them fell dead, end quote. I'm not going to let this slide. It smells like gunpowder? First off, is there gunpowder in Middle Earth? Let's assume not. Then that's a weird smell for magic to smell like, right? Is Gandalf like the Wizard of Oz, just has some technology that others don't know about, and has convinced the world that he's magic, but he's not really? Does he just have GPS and a hand musket and he's fooling everyone? Unlikely, but it makes you think. So the goblins take the whole crew minus Gandalf through passages down the mountain. They also sing another song that I kind of skimmed while they do this. They're cracking literal whips to make sure the group keeps moving. Finally, they get to the leader, the great goblin. Quote, there in the shadows on a large flat stone sat a tremendous goblin with a huge head, end quote. Love that we're just trying to figure out what's going to be unique about the great goblin. And we land on, what if we just gave him a huge dome? Legendary. We find out the goblins are pretty good at mining and making evil things like weapons, but they're not particularly clean or tidy, which maybe is why their mothers don't care for them. Maybe they really are ugly to everybody. Just clean up after yourselves for once, awful roommates. We also come to find out their feelings on dwarves. Quote, they did not hate dwarves especially, no more than they hated everybody and everything, end quote. This is a breath of fresh air. Finally, someone has not made a snap judgment about dwarves and can judge them for who they really are. In this case, the goblins hate Thorin's family because of the war I mentioned in Moria, but at least they have a reason. Thorin and the great goblin have some back and forth about what's going on. Thorin comes up with a pretty weak story about visiting family on the other side of the mountains and just wants to get out of the rain. Eventually, one of the goblins is like, yo, I don't think this checks out. Peek what I found. He shows Thorin's sword, the one that was called Goblin Cleaver. All the goblins knew it somehow, and they called it Biter. Not exactly sure how they knew it so intimately, as you would think if you were close enough to see it really well, you would probably be in the line of fire. Not important. They're not pleased that it's there. The great goblin says he never wants the dwarves to see the light of day again. And just at that moment, the lights go out. There are sparks going through goblins, screams, smoke, just absolute chaos. Then a sword lights up and takes out the great goblin. A voice goes, follow me, get to the chopper. The voice is obviously Gandalf, but it takes everyone a few moments to realize. So the squad's following his light. Everyone does have their hands tied up and chains around their feet. So they're out there just doing their best. Dory puts Bilbo on his shoulders and they keep going. Now we take a quick detour and talk about Gandhi's sword. His, the goblins, called Beater. The goblins, they're a lot of things, but they aren't super creative with names for swords, I guess. 
The sword, quote, burned with a rage that made it gleam if goblins were about. Now it was bright as blue flame for delight in the killing of the great lord of the cave, end quote. This is pretty creepy. It's like pretty bloodlusty. In a story with some questionable objects, <clears throat> a certain ring, this might take the cake. But they take a breather to count, make sure everyone's there. Not sure what they have done at this point if they weren't, though. We're pretty deep down this path to be turning back, for instance, for a, a burglar who can't burgle. But they're all there. Great. 14 heads. They're not all out of it yet. The goblins have home court advantage. They built the tunnels themselves and they keep catching up. Eventually, they're so close, the company had to just turn around and fight. The goblins didn't seem to be expecting it, which I'm not sure why, but they get beaten back by biter and beater, and they stop pursuing for the moment. The company keeps trucking, and finally the goblins get their A-listers, put on soft shoes, and send them a-hunting. No one hears them coming. The chapter ends with Dory, who is in the back, stuck with carrying Bilbo at the time. He gets grabbed from behind. Bilbo falls off, bumps his head, and all goes to black. The last thing I'm going to call out is that Bilbo should be in concussion protocol at this point. What he does in the next chapter is a triumph with this in mind. Now for the quotes. During the storm at the start, before they have looked for shelter, Thorin says, quote, This won't do at all. If we don't get blown off or drowned or struck by lightning, we shall be picked up by some giant kicked sky high for a football, end quote. Now first, this is silly. But also, just noting that in this beautiful universe, both stone giants and football slash soccer, they exist together in harmony. We'd love to see how some of the games evolve. When they are going to sleep in the cave, we learn that, quote, it was the last time that they used the ponies, packages, baggages, tools, and paraphernalia that they had brought with them, end quote. The paraphernalia stands out because I'm fairly certain, without doing any fact-checking at all, that this means they will not be smoking anymore for the duration of the journey. Also, describing it like that makes it seem like Tolkien might be a narc. And then finally, when goblins are taking the group down to the Great Goblin, Tolkien talks about the passages being confusing. Quote, the passages there were crossed and tangled in all directions, but the goblins do their way, as well as you do the nearest post office, end quote. Here's a little tidbit that I don't know holds up with all the new readers, and maybe it's worth re-releasing an edition with this just this change. Kids these days just use Waze or Google Maps, you know? Does any youngin know the way to the post office? I'm not confident I could get there without firing that up, at least at this point. I'm also not sure which days the post office is even open outside of 9 to 5, so when I could go out of work hours. And that's it for this week. Next week, we will be going into one of the more famous chapters and the one that was changed the most between the first edition and the one that we know now.